Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Franconia Mennonite Church Podcast. This is Pastor Kyle. We are in week two of our sermon series, Walk the Walk. Pastor Josh is going to be taking things for us this week, uh, and he's going to be helping us understand how we can live in grace and walk in love. First, second, and third John are the books that we're covering in this sermon series, and they give us a deeper understanding of how we can walk in the Christian life. We claim to be Christians. We claim to be children of God. But are we doing that through what we say and what we do? We talk the talk, but do we walk the walk? Let's hear more from Pastor Josh now. All right, so I'm here at Pastor Josh, and uh, just diving into a little bit of your sermon, which the listener is going to hear. One thing you said was, in order to know the good news, we need to know the bad news. That's actually something I want to pick up on uh, for this coming Sunday in 1 John 3, but uh, explain that a little bit to the listener, what they're about to hear. In order to know the good news, we need to know the bad news. Yeah, so I actually, I quote someone in the sermon who said that, and so that that specific phrasing is not unique to me, but, but I heard this person say it, and I just love the way she framed it, that good news can't be good unless we understand what the what the bad news is and so we don't really have a frame of reference for knowing why something is good news unless it corrects something that is already bad or wrong and so you know in, in the context of of this conversation this this message uh, really gets to some of the some of the key themes of of scripture in the gospel and even that word gospel means good news well what is the good news the good news is in part, in, in large part, that Jesus comes and offers forgiveness of sin. That is intensely good news if we have an understanding of, of our sin problem. And so we sort of need to have this balanced approach of understanding the bad news so that we can fully appreciate the good news that, that Jesus comes to offer. So that comes to the part where I want to ask you, uh, live in grace walk in love. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that we can't be good at one side if we don't do the other. Mm -hmm. You you can't do them separately. In order to walk in love, you need to live in grace. So uh, explain that a little bit further in your prep of of how you, uh, you know, expanded upon that, that one sentence that explains your whole entire sermon, live in grace and walk in love. Yeah. Yeah. So live in grace and walk in love is a phrase that really this year has been it's been a new phrase to me, and and that phrase also is not my own. There's actually a, a devotional that I use every day uh, by Bob Goff, a 365-day devotional. And the name of the devotional is Live in Grace, Walk in Love. And so each day there's there's a thought and a scripture to, to meditate on. And so I feel like all year I have been, like every passage of scripture I look at, any kind of conversation about faith I have, I keep coming back to that theme, live in grace, walk in love. It's like everywhere I look, I see live in grace, walk in love, that that connection between the two. And so I mentioned in the, in, in the sermon, like that phrase is in some ways really a, a, a picture of the heart of the gospel. What What is the gospel? What, what is the, the good news of Jesus? It is that we live in grace and then we're able to walk in love because of that. And so both of those are necessary. Right, we we live in grace, and then from that posture of forgiveness, from that posture of uh, being accepted, redeemed, cherished, loved by God, we're able to then live out uh, the the call in our lives. We're able to love other people. We're able to to live like Jesus. We're able to you know stay committed to to, to God's kingdom, not get distracted by this world. We're we're able to live in the truth. 
and and not only are we able to, but we have to. That that's that's sort of the the evidence, the fruit that demonstrates that we really are uh, living in grace. And so, I think some people have a tendency to focus on one of those sides over the other. And so, some are really strong on the living grace part, but probably need to be spurred on a little bit to, to actually live out their faith by walking in love. Other people tend to get real fired up and and rightly so about walking in love, doing good works, pursuing justice. And all those things are great, but not by themselves. They they need to be rooted in the grace of Christ. And so the balance of those two, I think, is really important. Yeah. How are you inspired this week? Yeah, well, so I'll be a little I'll be a little vulnerable without being too specific. This particular message that you're about to hear, and, and you'll hear this in a couple moments, I really spend the bulk of the time kind of on the bad news before getting to the good news. And, and part of that bad news is just acknowledging that we all have sin in our lives. And this is what I love about preaching is that, you know, God, God's, God's word, uh, it's sharp. It's like a sword. It cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. um, just even this week, man, I'll tell you, I was convicted of some sin in my life. And uh, and so this is one of those messages that I feel like I said this every week. This is a message I needed to hear. Um, being convicted of my own sin and, and having to go again um, back to uh, back to the the grace that's available through Jesus. And so I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that that God's Spirit was a mirror that revealed uh, some sin in my life because that that drew me back to the cross. It drew me back to the good news. And so you know the message that you're going to hear when I talk about you know here's what the good news is. I mean, this is good news that I have just experienced again afresh, even this week. And so this this comes from a place of, uh, yeah, of real experience for me. Yeah, well, let's dive right into it. Week two of Walk the Walk. How do we live in grace and walk in love? Here's Pastor Josh. Good morning, church. Today I'll be reading from 1 John 2, 1 through 11. 1 John 2, 1 through 11. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is our returning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is a message you have heard. Yet yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going, because the darkness has blinded them.
Thanks, Connor, for reading our scripture for us this morning. So on Tuesday morning of this past week, Pastor Kyle came into my office and he said, yo, bro, how you doing with this week's sermon? I said, oh, yeah, doing all right, making some progress, doing well. And he said, give me your whole sermon in one sentence. Now, this is Tuesday morning, and he wanted my entire sermon for today already done and distilled to a single sentence. Now, if you think that's unrealistic, you should know that Tuesday of this past week, Kyle already had his sermon for next Sunday distilled to a single sentence. So he's raring to go for next Sunday. I will let him tell you his one sentence, but I want to begin this morning by giving you my entire sermon in one sentence, all right? And I'm going to do it in exactly six words. Yes. All right, here it is. You ready? Today's sermon in six words. Live in grace, walk in love. That is, I think, what the entire chapter of 1 John 2 is all about. That is our invitation and our challenge this morning. And in a way, I would say that that is, in one sense, sort of what the gospel is all about. We are to live in grace, and then we are to walk in love. So that's what we're going to talk about together here this morning. Uh, This is week two of a new sermon series that we kicked off last Sunday. The name of the sermon series is Walk the Walk. And in this sermon series, it's a six-week series, we are going to be working through together three different books of the Bible, three different letters, all written by a man named John. These letters are conveniently titled 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And if you read these letters from John, you will notice that there are some recurring themes. There are some concepts that John comes back to again and again. One of those concepts for John is the idea of walking. John uses walking as a metaphor, a kind of image for what it means for us to truly be in Christ. What does it mean for us to follow Jesus with our lives? He talks about that in terms of us walking in a certain way. And so as you read these letters, you will see that phrase pop up again and again. He says, walk this way, walk this way, walk this way, walk in the light, walk as Jesus did, walk in obedience, walk in love, walk in the truth. For John, it is all about us walking the walk. For John, it is all about how does what we believe impact how we live? And so sort of big picture for this sermon series that we're in, kind of the the key question that we are asking in these six weeks is, how does what we believe, how does the gospel, how does the good news of Jesus Christ actually get lived out in the flesh and blood of our lives? So that's sort of the big question that we are asking every Sunday during this six-week series. And this morning, we look at that question through the lens of 1 John chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to take it out or keep it out and follow along. We always think it's helpful for you to have your scriptures with you, especially in this series where we are looking at big chunks of scripture, right? We're essentially looking at an entire chapter of scripture every Sunday morning during this series. So it's especially helpful to have the text in front of you. We'll put the words on the screen, but this week especially, because this week we're focusing on chapter 2, but John begins chapter 2 by sort of continuing a thought that he began in chapter 1. And so if we're going to understand what John says in chapter 2, we sort of have to back up a little bit and and notice how he ends chapter 1. Okay, so let's take a look at what he says. Here we go. 
Notice how this flows. This is the end of chapter 1. Notice how this flows right into chapter 2. So he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, so that's the end of chapter 1. Now notice how this flows right into chapter 2. The very next sentence, he continues this same thought. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, which he's just told us that all of us do. So this, if anybody does sin, applies to all of us. If anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So I mentioned that in John, there are some recurring themes. He has this pattern of using words and images over and over again in his letters to make a point. One of those recurring themes, I said, is the idea of walking. You may have noticed another recurring theme throughout John's writings is this concept, this idea of sin. If you read John's writings, and especially First uh, John, this letter of First John, uh, he talks about sin a lot. It is really important for John that we understand how this concept of sin impacts our lives. And so 20 different times in this short letter, we get this, this word, this image, this idea of sin. And so for us, if we hope to understand John's message, if we hope to understand what it means for us to walk the walk, I think we have to understand a little bit of this concept that he refers to and writes about so frequently. So we started to see that at the end of chapter one, right? And the truth, according to John, is this. This is the, the meat cleaver-like truth, to borrow a phrase from Pastor Mark last week. John, John kind of writes like a meat cleaver. He, he doesn't pull any punches. He tells it like it is. And the meat cleaver-like truth that John wants us to know is that we all experience sin in our lives. Right? We're all messed up. We all fall short. We all miss the mark in some way or another. That's actually what the word sin means. The word sin literally translates to miss the mark. And John says that is all of us. Now, I realize that, especially in our world today, sin is not something that is particularly popular or comfortable to talk about. Right? People, especially in our world, don't really like talking about this idea of sin I mean, even, even the word sin, it's got kind of a weight to it, doesn't it? Sin has become something of a loaded term in our culture. And I would say, I do think there are ways of talking about sin that are actually very unhelpful, unhealthy, and overly oppressive. Okay, so some of the stigma around this word I actually understand. But I would also say to us, just because there are some who talk about sin in overly judgmental ways, doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about sin in clearly biblical ways. And, and so that's where I want us to begin this morning, because that's where John takes us. 
if we want to live in grace, and, and this is on a handout in your sheet, in your uh, bulletin, there's a, a half sheet handout. If you want to follow along and fill in the blanks, you can do that. If that kind of thing feels annoying or like homework to you, you can just leave it in there. <laughs> um, but for those who like to follow along, uh, that's where we're going to begin this morning. If we want to live in grace, the first step is to acknowledge our sin, acknowledge our own sin and need for grace. Last week, Pastor Mark said that every sermon should include a word of judgment and a word of hope or a word of grace. I heard somebody say something similar recently. She said, good news can't be good news unless we understand the bad news. Right? Unless we understand what the bad news is, we, we don't really have a, a frame of reference for why the good news is even good. And so we're going to talk about some good news this morning, but first, the bad news. And John is clear about the bad news. John says, we've got a sin problem. And if any of us claim that that, that that doesn't apply to us, if any of us claim that sin doesn't impact our lives, John says, you're lying. <laughs> And you're making God out to be a liar. If, anyone, if any one of us claims that sin is not a personal problem for us, John says, you're just not being honest. You're not being truthful about the way things really are. What is true about you and what's true about me and what is true about every person who has ever lived is that we often miss the mark. We live in ways and we harbor attitudes that do not reflect God's best. Problem is, we don't always like to admit that about ourselves. Now, let's be clear. A little bit of real talk. We like to talk about sin when it's someone else's sin. Right? We're fine talking about ways that other people are missing the mark. We're fine talking about the brokenness and the immorality that exists out there. We want the preacher to talk about sin when it's someone else's sin. We want the preacher to talk about sin that we don't personally struggle with. We want the preacher to talk about controversial sin issues in the world. But once we start talking about our own lives, once we start talking about our own hearts, once we start talking about issues of sin that we actually struggle with, we don't like that so much. In fact, we, we tend to respond to the sin in our own lives in one of three ways. In denial, with indifference, or in defense. Right? So sometimes we are in denial. We'll say, I didn't do that. I didn't lie. I just exaggerated the story a little bit. I didn't cheat. I just strategically worked the situation to my advantage. I wasn't unfaithful. I just reconnected with an old friend on Facebook. Right? We've got all kinds of ways of denying the sin in our own lives, right? Yeah, I repeated this story, but that doesn't make it gossip. Yeah, I may be a little prejudiced toward that group of people, but that doesn't make me a racist. Yeah, I may get really, really wrapped up in politics, but that doesn't mean I've made it into an idol. Right? We find ways to deny the sin in our own life. Or if we're not denying it, sometimes we're just indifferent about it. 
right? We'll say, listen, of course I've got issues. Everybody's got issues. Nobody's perfect, but at least I'm not as bad as that person. Maybe I slightly fudge the number on my taxes a little bit, but at least I'm not corrupt like those cronies on Wall Street. Yeah, I, I may not be putting as much effort into my marriage, into my home life, into my family as I should, but at least I'm not a deadbeat like that person. Yeah, I've got some issues with anger and pride and with lust, but come on, God's got bigger fish to fry than me. Sound familiar? We have all kinds of ways where we are just indifferent about the sin in our lives. We, we don't think it's that big of a deal. And then sometimes we're just straight up in defense of it. We say, I know this is wrong, but I've got a good reason for doing it. You ever been there? You ever done that? You ever try to justify or rationalize doing things that you know you shouldn't do? You ever come up with some really good reasons for why you don't need to do things that God clearly commands us to do? It's how we often respond to the sin in our own lives, in denial, indifference, and in defense. The truth is, if we really desire, though, to live in grace, if we really want to walk the walk, if we really want to experience what Scripture calls life that is truly life, it begins with the simple, honest, painful but necessary acknowledgement of sin in our own lives and in our own hearts. Because what's true about you and what's true about me and what's true about every single person who has ever lived is that we often miss the mark. We're sinful. Now, it's not the only thing that's true about you, and we'll say more about that later, but we cannot ignore that reality. The dangerous thing about sin, this is the next point on your outline there, the dangerous thing about sin is that it always takes us, keeps us, and costs us more than we initially suspect. I heard somebody else say this one time, so I won't take credit for it, but I heard somebody say one time that sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to stray. It will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. So he said, sin will take you farther. We can go to the next slide. Sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to stray. So we think we're just nibbling around the edges. We think we're just sort of flirting with immorality. And before we know it, we are farther off the path of godliness than we ever intended. And then once we've done that, once we're there, sin has a way of convincing us it's it's not that big of a deal. Don't sweat it. This is just a momentary lapse. This is just a momentary indiscretion. This is just a momentary pleasure. Don't worry about it. And ever so subtly, without realizing how entangled we've gotten, we end up staying in those patterns and postures of darkness. And then once we have done that, once we have strayed, and once we have stayed, sin will always ultimately make us pay. It costs us more 
than we ever imagined. This is how sin works. This is why sin can be so dangerous and so destructive in our lives. It takes us farther, keeps us longer, and costs us more than we ever intended. All right, so this is kind of heavy so far. Uh, So I think the next thing we should talk about is mosquitoes in Africa, right? And I know what you're thinking, natural transition. (laughs) Uh, Any discussion of uh, the nature of sin should include a story about mosquitoes in Africa. So here we go. Uh, When I was in college, I spent some time in West Africa. I spent a summer in Burkina Faso, West Africa, doing uh, mission and evangelism work. Uh, We were working in uh, the village of Karen Kaso Vige. We were among the Vige people group. Uh, It was kind of a neat experience. We were making an initial contact, and so we were the the first Westerners, the first white people, the first Christians, the first English speakers that they had ever encountered. We kind of made an initial contact with this people group. And one of the things uh, about Karen Kaso Vige that we discovered is they had really, really high rates of malaria. And so our team, in advance of, of doing this trip, uh, we got lots of malaria medicine, uh, we got mosquito nets, and every night we slept under mosquito nets, uh, we had bug spray, we wore long sleeves all the time even though it was crazy hot. We took all kinds of measures to protect ourselves against mosquitoes. Because if you know anything about malaria, one of the primary ways malaria spreads is, is through mosquitoes. So we were vigilant about these mosquitoes. The longer we were there, we started talking to the leaders of the village, and one of the things the leaders in the village told us is they said, no, no, no. They said, we don't have a mosquito problem. We have a swamp problem. Because the swamps are where the mosquitoes breed. The swamps are where the mosquitoes actually come from. And so if you want to address the malaria, you don't focus on individual mosquitoes. You don't focus on protecting yourself from little individual bugs. What you really need to do is address the conditions that give birth to the mosquitoes. That's how you stop the spread of malaria. You address the underlying conditions, not just the individual mosquitoes. And so they told us, they said, listen, I mean, bug spray, mosquito nets, wearing long sleeves, all those kind of surfacey things, that's fine in the short term, but that doesn't address the real source. And I think the same kind of thing is true when it comes to the sin in our lives, right? We have a tendency to focus on all this outward external behavior, right? And as long as things look good on the outside, we're satisfied, But here's the thing, sin is not primarily a behavior problem, it is primarily a heart problem. The source of our sin is internal. And just like with mosquitoes, we can come up with all sorts of strategies, we can do all sorts of behavior modification to address our actions, but unless we address the source, the underlying cause, we're always going to struggle. And the source of our sin is in the heart. Jesus says it this way in Luke 6. He says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. What this means, church, is that the the solution to our sin problem, 
The, the solution to your sin problem is not just trying harder or living better. The solution to our sin problem is to have transformed hearts because that is ultimately the source. Which, of course, leads to the question, what's the condition of your heart like this morning? What is your heart bringing forth and overflowing? If we're going to deal with malaria, we don't just deal with mosquitoes, we address the swamps that breed mosquitoes. And if we're going to deal with sin, we don't just focus on behavior, we address the underlying heart condition that leads to that behavior. And that's what John goes on to say in the next verse, right? Notice for John, his answer to the problem of sin is not primarily focused on what we do, it is entirely focused on what Christ has done. He says, my dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So the good news is, and again, the good news only makes sense when we understand the bad news, but the good news is we have an advocate. We have the righteous one. We have an atoning sacrifice for our sins in the person of Jesus. And so what does it mean for us to live in grace? First, we acknowledge our sin, and then second, we accept God's mercy, the atoning sacrifice of the righteous one. And for John, the, the order here is crucial. And, and some of you might be thinking, preacher, come on, <laughs> we're almost out of time and you're two verses into this chapter. We've got 29 more verses to go. You got to keep moving. <laughs> I am intentionally spending a lot more time just on these first couple verses because that sets up the rest of the chapter. If we don't understand the point John is making in these first couple verses, we're not going to understand the rest of the chapter. Or maybe we'll understand it, but we won't be able to actually live it out. For John, the order matters. We live in grace first. We acknowledge our sin first. We confess our need for mercy first. We accept the mercy of God through Jesus Christ first. And then once we've done that, once we're living in that grace, we're able to faithfully walk in love. And that's then what the rest of the chapter is about. So I'll show you that just really big picture. We kind of zoomed in on the first two verses. We're going to zoom way back out on the rest of the chapter. The rest of the chapter has four major sections. And each of those sections are all just examples or expressions of what it means to walk in love. This is the second side of your handout there. So verses 3 through 6 are all about living like Jesus. Verses 7 through 11 are all about loving other people. Verses 15 through 17 are all about declaring our allegiance to God. And verses 18 through 27 are all about remaining committed to the truth. Okay, so that is essentially uh, the the rest of the chapter, the rest of chapter 2. Live like Jesus, love other people, allegiance to God, committed to the truth. But notice and understand how all of that is rooted in and flows out of the grace that we first experience through Christ. 
Okay, so this is not just a checklist. This is not just a list of things we need to do in order to earn God's favor. This is a response to the work of Christ on our behalf. That's why we've we've phrased the second half of that sheet very intentionally. It is because we are loved, accepted, valued, and forgiven in Christ that we're able to walk in love by living like Jesus. It's because we have we, we are loved, accepted, valued, and forgiven in Christ that we're able to walk in love by loving others. Because we are loved, accepted, valued, forgiven in Christ, we're able to walk in love by declaring allegiance to God. Because we are loved, accepted, valued, forgiven in Christ, we're able to walk in love by staying committed to the truth. Right? It, it begins not just with a list of things that we should do, it begins with a fundamental declaration about who we are. It begins with Christ. It begins with the fact that you are loved, accepted, valued, redeemed, cherished, and forgiven in Christ. And it, it is out of that truth, it is out of that space that we then live and move and have our being. See, I, I think for many of us, we fall into one of two temptations when it comes to this whole conversation of live in grace, walk in love. Within the, the, the Christian life, there are one of two mistakes that we tend to make. One mistake is to try to live totally on the second side of this sheet, walk in love. Right? We try really hard to walk in love but we're not fully operating out of a posture of grace, right? And so we try really hard to live like Jesus, but on our own, we can't. We try really hard to love other people well, but we often fall short. We try really hard to be committed to God above all else, but then we find ourselves sucked into the worries of this life. We try really hard to be committed to the truth, but we end up confused about what is even true these days. And I feel like John would say to us, listen, all of that walking in love that you're trying to do, it's good, it's right, it's appropriate, it's necessary, it's important. You should pursue these things as a response to the grace of Christ in your life. You can't fully walk in love if you're not already living in God's grace. And I feel like a lot of people try to do that. They, they try to, to live these lives of virtue. They try to walk in love and they end up frustrated and disappointed and burned out because they are not rooted in the grace of Christ. Everything that we are called to do and to be in this chapter flows out of living in grace. So that's one temptation, that's one mistake. The other, of course, is the opposite. The other is we try to live totally on the front side of that handout, totally on the live in grace side. Right? So some people, they're so committed to the live in grace, they're so committed to forgiveness of sin, they're so committed to accept Christ's work on your behalf that they never get around to anything on the other side. And in fact, they're suspicious of anything on the other side. So, so there are some people who, who would say, listen, any talk about how we actually live in this world, any talk about 
pursuing justice, any talk about good works, any talk about caring for the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized like Jesus did, any of that talk is just dismissed as, well, that's not really the gospel. The gospel is really just individual forgiveness of sin, individual salvation, individuals going to heaven when they die. That's it. That's the gospel. (laughs) And I feel like John would be like, well, yeah, but did you read the rest of the chapter? Of course forgiveness of sin matters. Of course the grace of God matters. That's where it begins. But friends, that's not where it ends. Our lives then need to be transformed. Our hearts transformed by the grace we have received from God. In fact, John John would say it even harsher than I just did. Um, Here's the meat cleaver truth on the other end. John would say... (laughs) Christian, don't pretend that you're serious about living in grace if you're not actually walking in love. So come on, don't pretend that you're serious about sin and forgiveness and grace if that doesn't translate into you living like Jesus. You're lying. Don't pretend you're serious about sin and grace and forgiveness if that doesn't translate into you loving other people, including and especially those you disagree with. Otherwise, you're lying. Don't pretend you're serious about sin and grace and forgiveness if that doesn't translate into you being more committed to the kingdom of God than you are to any nation or political system. You're lying. Don't pretend you take sin and grace and forgiveness seriously if that doesn't translate into you being committed to the truth, putting off falsehood, holding our leaders in every part of our life together, accountable to the truth. You're lying if you say you're, you're committed to the grace of God if you don't actually then live it out. According to John, you cannot live on the first side of this sheet without it impacting the second side of the sheet. They are inseparably connected, two sides of the same coin, two sides of the same sheet. We acknowledge our sin, we accept God's mercy, And it leads inseparably to us walking in love. So I want to end this morning by inviting us to consider which side of this sheet do you personally have the most room to grow in? So I think for all of us, we will naturally gravitate toward one side of the sheet over the other. Which means that each of us, if we're saying these are equally important, each of us have some room to grow. And so some of you here this morning, this conversation about sin and forgiveness and salvation through the work of Christ, you are all about that conversation, and praise God, you should be all about that conversation. But it does not end there. And some of you this morning, you are all about this conversation about walking in love, demonstrating our faith, living it out in practical, concrete, tangible ways. And praise God, you should be all about that conversation. But that by itself is not a complete gospel. Right? A complete gospel is about living in grace and walking in love. We acknowledge our sin. We accept God's mercy, and then we live transformed lives. We pursue justice. We love mercy. We walk humbly with God. 
So that's my prayer for us this morning, that we would understand and embrace this whole gospel, that we would experience what John talks about in chapter 2, and that we truly would live in grace and walk in love. So let me pray for us to that end. Lord God, we, uh, we love you. We trust you. We thank you, God, for uh, your goodness and your grace in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which guides us and uh, instructs us and teaches us the truth about who you are and who we are. We thank you, God, that we can live in grace. And we acknowledge the ways that we have fallen short. We confess our own sin. And God, I I would just pray for any who are listening right now, either in the room uh, or on the live stream or, or listening to this recording at some later point, God, I pray for anyone hearing this who has felt the weight of their own brokenness, who, who realizes the ways in which they missed the mark and, and who hasn't yet experienced the forgiveness that you offer. Lord, would all of us come to a place of honesty about the bad news in our own lives that we are, that we are messed up, that we cannot fix our problems on our own, that the, the sin problem in our lives is not solved by trying harder or, or living better. And God, I also pray that as your spirit reveals to us the bad news about our own lives, that you would resound in every heart the good news, that your grace is real, that redemption is possible, that forgiveness of sin is available through Jesus. I pray, God, for the person here this morning who needs to hear that message, who needs to respond to that invitation. And God, I I would also pray for those of us who say all the right things and believe all the right things, but there's just not that much evidence of your love in their lives. For those who claim to know you but lack the fruit in their lives that demonstrates they've truly been transformed, God, I pray that you would just shake us to our core, shake us out of our complacency. Shake us out of our self-satisfaction. Shake us out of our incomplete understandings of the gospel. And most of all, God, I pray that you would help us to know, help us to know deep in our souls that we are loved, accepted, valued, redeemed, cherished, and forgiven in Christ. And then from that place to spend our lives pursuing justice and mercy and faithfulness in your name. By the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, help us to live in grace and to walk in your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And together, everybody said, amen.
If you like what you heard, you can hear more of our sermons on our website at franconiamennonite.org. There you can find the latest sermons and events that we are having at the church for the community. As always, you are more than welcome to stop on by in person, uh, take a visit to the church. Our services are every Sunday at 1015. If you want to call beforehand and speak to one of the pastors, we would love to talk with you. It is our prayer that what was offered here today is a blessing to you as you go about your walk with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Blessings.